Good morning. Part two and Defender on the book of Jude. If you have a Bible with you, a copy of the scriptures, turn over to the last book of the New Testament called Revelation. Turn back one page. There it is. The book of Jude. It's the, it's the shortest book in the entire Bible. It's only 25 verses long. And man, it has so much to say. As I said last weekend, it really does uh, parallel with the book of Peter. A lot of similar verses in Second Peter. Uh, I am remiss. So I want to come back and say this. We've got another, uh, another couple precious families. Uh, Jen and Bruce Bender, I always kind of see them as the lunch crowd. They're usually, you know, y'all are over here somewhere. There they are, Bruce and Jen, and they're going back to California, and they've been with us. There's a whole group of military people, like, they've, like, worshipped here, and then they, like, do lunch together. And, man, y'all have been a great part of our family. And then there's another couple that just found us, like, a month or so ago, and they were in the second service, Paul and Kathleen. Y'all are back here, right? And we're so glad. Aren't you grateful to God for the military that serve and uh, serve our country and come to our church? Amen. Well, if y'all make it back to the Air War College or teaching faculty, man, y'all come back to Christ Community and please tell your friends about us. You know, all the time I'm talking to people and they go, I said, how'd you find out about Christ Community? They go, I found it through the web. I, I met this person in Germany. I met this people in another base. And they said, go to Christ Community when you come to Montgomery, Alabama. That's the great thing about being almost 12 years old. We've been around a little while. Not long, but a little while. Okay, I think I've got them all in there. Well, let's get ready. I've got a lot of material that I want to cover with you. And this is, uh, we've been talking about heresy and apostasy last weekend. I gave you definitions. If you want to catch up, go on the web. The, the message is there. But we want to start our time together. Starting there, we went one through four last week. We're going to go about five through uh, ten this weekend. Might even back up to verse four because there's a couple things that I want to say. So let's look there together. There's a lot of voices today telling you and I what to believe, what not to believe, Follow this way, go that way, and if you find this, you'll have life abundant, or you'll be rich, or you'll get successful, or whatever. But here in the book of Jude, I believe the writer's telling us that, hey, you can cross the line. You know, God is slow in anger. He abounds in love and patience. His loving kindness is amazing. But you can finally go to some point, you just kind of cross the line, you're like, well, pastor, where is that line? Well, we'll talk about that son, but I wouldn't want to live my life so on the edge that God goes, okay, enough, I can't do anything with you, you're stubborn, you're callous, you're hard-hearted, you don't want to go there. So let's look at the first one quickly, get ready to write. The four warnings for crossing God's line. Here's really the ultimate. Number one is you deny the Lord Jesus Christ. You just go, I'm not going to acknowledge a Savior, a Lord. I'm not going to admit that I'm a sinner and everybody knows you're a sinner and you should know you're a sinner. You're like, no, I'm denying Christ. I'm going to go against him. My heart is hard. I'll try to make it into heaven some other way by my good morals, by my good looks, by my 2% that I gave God, by my charitable works or whatever your standard of righteousness is. Cults, they thrive by trying to go, if we do these works, we will earn our way into heaven. No, there's no way but Jesus. We say that over and over. But And, and, and in this book, he's saying, some of you have created a, you've developed a license to sin. You think if you sin more, you get more grace. It shouldn't be so. So he's really big on this sin issue. I mean, God's always talking about judgment. But, you know, denying Christ. Yesterday was a very hard day for my family. My nephew and niece have just moved to our city from Georgia, Ron and Sarah. They're back here. I'm very excited about that. And their last name is Oshusky. Say that. and you're oh, That's pretty good. His dad is Polish. Okay. I used to call him a few other names, but we'll keep that between us in church. Okay. And uh, I love his mom and dad. As a matter of fact, his mom's my sister. But uh, 
But I love them. And they're here. But we had a tragic misfortune in our family. My, I've got a lot of nephews and nieces. I have another nephew. His name's Pat. And Pat and Becky have two boys, Zach and Michael. And you might have read about it, but you didn't know who it was. But Zachary graduated May the 23rd from Prattville High School. Our daughter graduated May the 24th from BTW. They happened to have the same grandmother and great-grandmother. And they had both gotten something from their grandmother, and they both sent thank you notes to them to acknowledge that. And she got them. Well, this past week, on Wednesday, Zach went over to a friend's house with his girlfriend, and they were whatever, and, and they were going to go down to the store. And his dad been saying, no, I don't want you to have a motorcycle. He goes, I want a motorcycle. And no, no, no. And he got on a little scooter to run down to the store. And when he did, he hit some gravel, and it threw him out on Highway 82. And when it did, an 18-wheeler hit him head on. We had his funeral yesterday. Shouldn't be, should it? 18 years old. I got an 18-year-old. She lives in my house. Here's another 18-year-old. But you know what the great thing is? I'm sad. My family's numb. I was ministering to his mom and dad yesterday, and you look at them. And I just put my arm around them several times and go, you know, I'm a pastor, I know. But my words seem so cheap. I just want to love on you, and we just want to be here, and we want to be the the family of God, and we want to be your immediate family. But you know, God's going to see them through this. They won't get over it. They'll just learn to to go on. So if you just want to write down your worship guy today, Pat and Becky and Michael is their other son. They've lost a precious one that won't come through the door anymore. But you know what the great news is? He didn't deny Jesus Christ. He had received Jesus Christ a few years ago as a Savior and Lord. His pastor talked about his commitment to Jesus yesterday. So Uncle Keith was very excited because, you know what, I get to see Zach again in heaven. He places hope in a Savior. So here in the book of Jude, I just thought it was amazing. They deny Christ. Christ is the sovereign king, the Lord of lords and king of kings. So this morning, we could just give an invitation right there. And like, man, people give their heart to Jesus. There's another young man that grew up in this student ministry, and he used to play on this stage all the time. His name's Barkley Gannon. He just lost his best friend in a car accident the other day. He had just been in his wedding not that long before. I think that was a 22, 23-year-old. See, we never know whether it's a, a baby we lose early in life or an older adult. We just know we don't need to deny Jesus Christ. So that's the first point. I just want to throw that in here because here it is in verse 4. Let's look at Jude. He says, They're godless men. They change the grace of our God into a license for immorality, but they deny Jesus Christ as our sovereign and Lord. And I could just put parentheses around, deny Jesus. Don't deny Him. Introduce your friends to Him. That's what our church is about, winning the lost to the Savior. Winning our friends to grow in faith in Christ, for us to mature in Jesus. Secondly, there's no place for unbelief in the life of a believer. Now, sometimes we have doubts, and doubts drive us to greater faith if we'll let God work with us. But there's really not a position or a place for us as Christ followers to not believe. In Scripture, it talks about reminding us And that's what a pastor does. He reminds you of the truths of God. He reminds you of the stories of old. He reminds you of the faithfulness of the one who is faithful. And we are faithless. I look at this congregation and I see the faithfulness of God over and over. And I see the faithfulness in my own life. And I go, God, you've been faithful in the past. You are faithful in the present. You'll be faithful in the future. But unbelief is our failure to trust God. Look at it in the middle of the page. It holds back His blessing. It leads to condemnation and spiritual death. In other words, you don't want to be a part of unbelief. You get in the unbelief camp, you're spiritually in trouble. You're spiritually drifting. You're spiritually tubed. 
And you're just at a place that you don't want to be. And if you get there, you don't want to stay there long. And as I was doing study, I thought about, look what the scripture says here. In Jude, he says there, uh, let's look on down there in verse 6. He says, but he delivered, in verse 5, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home. Let's go back to that. I want to remind you, as a, as a Christian, you remind people. As I've said earlier, but it says here, he's delivered people out of Egypt. You see, the people of old and the people today, if we will look at the track record of God, it is amazing. He delivered them from the ten plagues. He delivered them and he gave them the ten commandments. He delivered them so many times. You just read scripture and you see, God, you're a faithful God. You delivered them one day and you parted the Red Sea and then you let the, the water come back in a swell over Pharaoh's army. And God, you delivered and you delivered and you just read scripture and you see the account. And one time they're, they're out of water and he throws a branch in there and he turns the, uh, the, you know, the water into a sweet water. And another time there's no water and water comes gushing out of the rock and over and over. God just in with the widow and she has a little, a little bit of flour and God provides for her and her son. And over and over you go, man, God is, has been faithful in His testament. But I want to ask you, has God been faithful to you? Has God been faithful to you? Absolutely He has. He was faithful this morning. He gave you breath and life and forgiveness of sin if you went to Him. He gave you a testimony if you've trusted in Christ. And right now, as a preacher, even as I look at my own family, and we look and we go, man, death, what is this? Well, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. He has conquered death. Death is not my enemy. It is not your enemy, friend, if you're in Christ. If you're not in Christ, it's a sad day. But let's build this story here. There in Numbers chapter 14, verse 1 or 11, he goes, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they go on doing their own thing? And a lot of times in the Old Testament you read, they're going, Woe is me. Oh, I should have died in the desert. Not that God, you know, I mean, God doesn't do this. But if if I was God, I'd go, I should have just left you out there, dude. You know, I told you you weren't going to end in a promised land because of your unbelief. So here's the point I'm trying to go. Unbelief is not a good place to be. Psalm 78, 22. Look in the middle of your page. For they did not believe in God to trust in His deliverance. They didn't believe God. They didn't trust Him. Some of you are in a situation right now. You need the deliverance of God Almighty from your finances. You need deliverance to a new job or you need a job. Or you need deliverance from the gas pump and I got a big amen. Or you just, yeah, like, you know. You know, you know what would be the coolest ministry? Man, somebody going down to the gas pump and giving free gas away. Wouldn't it be awesome? And I wish we had so many funds around here, which we don't. Oh, if we were more faithful, because we give 10% back into missions, local, national, international, I think we could create a stir down to gas pumps you've never seen. Hey, instead of this 387 or 390 a gallon, it's 290 where we go. We're just discounting a dollar every gallon. How many people do you think we could get down there this afternoon? Dude, we'd have them all till we ran out of money, which wouldn't take very long. Okay, but the thing is, God's faithful. He's faithful. And, we, man, we get excited. Somebody just took a dollar off our gas. Well, yeah. I mean, we'll drive all over town. Everybody's like, where's the cheap gas? Dude, you just wasted more money driving across town to get the cheap gas. Use your head. Well, I saved a nickel. Yeah, but you burned 375 going over there. Just do the math, okay? All right. Anyway, I just thought I'd help some of you. Okay, look at A. That's not even in my notes. That was just free for some of you. Okay, A. Unbelief causes spiritual blindness. Some people are just spiritually blind because they haven't looked to Christ. 
They're, they, they don't see the things of the Spirit. They don't see the things of the kingdom. There's a, they've wandered in the desert. They've wandered in the darkness. There's a blindness of the heart. They don't see with the eyes of faith. They don't hear with the ears of the Spirit. But as I was reading a, a Barna research, this was amazing. It says an average of a thousand churches this year will meet, sing a song, say a prayer, turn out the light, and lock the doors for the first time. My wife told me, and I won't tell you which one, you'll have to find out. But a church in East Montgomery is closing the doors, I just found out. Got a nice facility. Got a great location. I almost told you where it was. And they're closing the doors because the witness of Christ got a little weaker there and they didn't have anybody coming. And they just, the elders said, we can't hold on anymore. We got to close the door. Doors are closing in the church of Jesus Christ. Isn't that sad? Man, we need to make sure they're propped wide open. And man, they're thriving and the people are growing and coming to know the Savior. Let me give you some verses. Second Corinthians. Chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, that's the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Aren't you glad that God unveiled that you could see Christ Jesus? And I am. And listen to this one, Romans one twenty one. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor they gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. They drifted farther into darkness. Let me just tell you, friend, when you have unbelief, you are a candidate to drift. And you drift into darkness. And you don't want to go there. And I'm trying to keep us out of that place. Let's look at point B. Unbelief hinders Jesus Christ's miracles. Now, Jesus can do anything He wants to do. But in the New Testament, when you read about the miracles of Jesus, and He was in Capernaum, and He was raising the dead, and He was doing this and that, and He was giving uh, sight to the blind, and hearing to the deaf, and all these awesome things, and I read them every year because I want to read the account and the story of Jesus, and then I look at my own life, and I see where Jesus heals people, and today we've called forth healing in the house of God, amen? amen. And God's still healing. But the scripture is very clear. It says that sometimes in Matthew 13, 58, listen to the word, he did not do many miracles because of their lack of faith. If you have unbelief, if you have a lack of faith, God's not really going to show up and do anything mighty. He's not getting any glory in that. And I just often wonder, it's not like we declare a miracle and God does a miracle. He's higher than us. We can't put God in a box. But God is still doing miracles. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Bless his name. Praise him, church. He's awesome. That's right. Yeah, that's a good place just to put our hands together. Thank you, God. But some of us have miracle-stopping faith. We don't believe God for nothing. I don't think God could keep me from stumping my toe. I don't think God could get gas in this car. I don't think God could heal this wart. I don't think God could heal this. Well, he probably won't then. And I'm not saying name it and claim it. That's a whole day you don't want me to get started on those false teachers. But there is something about believing in our hearts and speaking in faith and believing God and saying, Lord, in your own hometown, you withdrew and these people didn't believe and they didn't trust. Look at the third thing. Gross immorality leads to judgment. Now, we, I don't like to talk about judgment of God and you read the, the scriptures and you go, man, but God is a just God and God will judge the living and the dead. And, and there's a place that God will judge us. And, and when you think about judgment, you go, whoa, man, this is going to be one of hellfire and brimstones. Let me put my shield on. Well, that's not what we're going to do right now. But in the scripture, let's look down here at verse 6 and 7. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but they abandoned their own home, these who had kept in darkness bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, verse 7, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. 
They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. If you know from Isaiah, there was a great angel, and it led in worship in heaven, and it decided he decided that he wanted to be like God, and he wanted glory for himself, and his name was Lucifer. And Lucifer, God didn't like it. Matter of fact, God just didn't dislike it. He hated it. He hurled him out of heaven. And a third of the angels fell with him, which serve under dominion with him and their demons. And then and there's different groups of angels and demons. But as you read here, you see that this gross immorality leads to judgment. And it says that they were given over to sin and perversion and fornication. And this isn't Family Sunday, right? Okay. And uh, I was so thankful that this is this weekend and not next weekend. Okay. So God w- was opposed. He was slammed. He was slandered. He wasn't worshipped. He wasn't praised. And, and the, they rebelled against God. And they, they had left their proper domain. They left their estate. At one time they were in heaven, and in heaven they sang praise and they gave glory and they reflected light of the one of heaven. And then they got cast out. But the Bible says, and then they're kept in darkness, in the abyss, in the chains, in everlasting judgment. You're like, man, that that sounds nasty. It is. And yet he gives us an illustration here. He he compares to us that we don't need to sin. Just write down Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 6 and read it later. Write down 2 Peter um, Chapter 1 there, uh, or chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. There's not a chapter 12. Write down chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. Okay, thank you. I know my Bible. Okay. But God commits them into the abyss, into the darkness. And as you read scripture here, God keeps this place, this abyss ha- is, a, is a holding tank, it's a place for these, uh, these trapped angels. And they're, and they're tormented and they're there and they're reserved for judgment. And, and you think that they have been used to worship God. Now they're kept in a place of torment for terrible judgment. And then we know from reading our Bibles, we know about hell and hell is for judgment. And hell is real and heaven is real. And we choose heaven or hell by our faith in Jesus Christ. And I have to keep talking about hell because hell's real. But so is heaven. And heaven's full of hope. And heaven's full of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So they fell from the heavenlies here, and they, they once as they dwelt in light, now God puts them in a new position. But you see, the, these, these angels that have fallen, us, when he compares us to Sodom and Gomorrah, when we go on and we're resistant, we go, God, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to persevere in sin, God. Watch out. Judgment's coming. Listen to Romans 1.24. Therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading their bodies with one another. That's sick. In Romans 1.26, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even the women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. And he talks about here lesbians and homosexuals. And he talks about bestiality. That's sex with animals. And you just go, oh, it should not be. And yet I think about in the world we live today in 2008, man, there's some crazy stuff going on in America, isn't it? Around the world. And then we want to even create laws sometimes to protect some of this mess. And pedophiles and all these wicked things and, and where's the respect for God? Where's reverence for the Lord God all, all, Almighty? And, and the, so people exchange, or here's these angels, are, they show us an example of God's judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know that story from the Old Testament. And man, you're like, wow, I don't want to go there. There's decadence. There's sin in Sodom. You know what? Let's just bring it down to our house. There's sin in America. We're killing the unborn. We're trying to legislate to let's marry homosexuals. God forbid in the house of God. You want to see this pastor get fired up trying to go, well, it's an alternative lifestyle. No, it's sin. And let's just call it what it is. I'm so tired of people not, well, let's, let's be politically nice and correct, pastor. 
No, bro, I ain't trying to get people to hell. I'm trying to get them to heaven, okay? Man, I'm just, I'm sick of that. People don't want, you know, home, you know, these sins are, they're vile, they're unnatural, they go against the nature of God. But let me tell you this, if you're caught up in any of these, there's good news. God hates the sin, but He loves the sinner. He's crazy about you. You know what I tell people all the time? I go, man, I hope our house gets filled with prostitutes and homosexuals and thieves and murderers and all those. Praise God. Now you're going, Pastor, I don't know if I'm going to be coming around the house. But my prayer is, as they come into covenant in the membership, they get delivered from all that mess. If not, we're going to have a section over here. These are the vile, the murderers. The pr- no. We are the family of God in Christ Jesus. But you know, I want to see people get delivered. How about you? I tell you, I know people in our body. We got some people been dwelling in some pretty serious sin when they come in these doors. You want to put a sign on them? I'm the adulterer of the week. No. I'm the thief of the week. We'll put their pictures up on. No, we're not going to do that. But will they trust Jesus Christ? Will they come under the blood of the Lamb? And say, Lord, I was once like this. Look at the Apostle Paul. He murdered Christians. Let me tell you, before Paul got converted, if Paul came, you go, put him outside the pavilion, Jay, and tie him up. And if he starts moving, shoot him. I mean, you, you wouldn't welcome Paul into this house. I mean, there'd be a riot in the house before Paul got converted. Even when you read the New Testament after Paul got converted, they're like, we don't know, Paul. <laughs> I mean, we're glad to, we're glad to hear about your friend Paul Barnabas, but keep him, keep him in his house. Let him have his own Twinkies, okay? He don't need to come to our house. I mean, they're, they're thinking kind of like Nero. You know, Nero, you know what Nero used to do in the Roman Empire? He would put the Christians in the, in the dens and he let the lions eat them. And then he'd take Christians and he'd set them on fire in the garden and they were his torches in his garden, Christians' heads burning. He was sick, vile, wicked. When you read New Testament history, a lot of this isn't found. It's in other readings. It's not the canonized scripture that we read. It's amazing what God has delivered us from. But our society here, we are passing laws for crazy stuff. We need to repent of that. The house of God needs to stand up and be different. Just right now, Genesis 19, Romans 1. I can't cover all this content with you, but I want you to look and I want you to study. Number four. The arrogant irreverence rejects authority. And if you look at about verse 8, you start going through 10, he talks all about authority. And there's authority structures over us, and God is the ultimate authority. Would you agree, church? The ultimate authority of everybody's life is the Lord God Almighty. And he sets up authority called uh, principals and governors and mayors and our president and dads and moms and employers. And you just come on down this line, you see that God has an authority structure. It's all about the kingdom. And so we have to be accountable or we have chaos. And ultimately, we're accountable to him. And Satan desires to pervert the character and the authority of God. Every time God, the devil comes after you and I, he's trying to come against the authority of God, against the authority of a child of God. Young people, I want you to hear me. Hear me, hear, hear me carefully. When you disrespect your parents, you come right against the face of God Almighty. Well, I heard a mama say that, but I didn't hear no kids go. I know kids are like, did you tell him to say that, Pastor? You see, let me just give you some verses. Deuteronomy 27, 16. Cursed is the man, the boy, the girl who dishonors his father or his mother. That ain't good. But then later in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, it basically, it says there, but blessings are for those who honor their father and mother. When we honor our mom and dad, we bless the face of God. You're like, well, I don't want to bless my mom. I don't want to bless my dad. They're dumb. No, I didn't say if they're dumb or not. 
or you think you've got a higher IQ than them, God says, honor your father and mother. And the church said, let me tell you, somebody, matter of fact, I'll tell you who it was. It's really amazing that we called her name out. When we went through a situation in this church six, seven years ago, and I didn't know if I was going to make it, my wife and I, we were enduring and fighting the fight of faith, and we were having challenges. Precious little woman came up to me, and she goes, Pastor, God wants me to give you this book. The lady's name was Kathy Wilson. She goes, I want to give you a book by John Bevere. It's called Under the Cover. Undercover. I've read that book multiple times. And it talks about the authority of God. It talks about the authority of a pastor and leaders. And it talks about the authority structure. Just write it down. Undercover by John Bevere. If you're struggling with authority, and I can't give you all the information that I want to from this stage, it's an excellent book. And some of you have read it. And some of you are like, man, I need to read that. Because it will help you in authority in your home, in your marriage, in your business, in the church of Jesus Christ. And then he, then he moves on into here, later on in, in this passage here. Let's move down there in verse 8. In the very same way these dreamers pollute their own bodies, they reject authority. There's an authority. I could talk on authority all day and I'll come back to it. And they slander celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, an illustration given here, did not dare to bring the slanderous accusation against him. But he said, the Lord rebuke you. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand and what the things they do understand by instinct, like unreasoning animals. These are the very things that destroy them. Woe to them. Okay. He talks here about dreams here earlier. And I just want to give you a passage because I, I need to move quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. And the prophet here, he, he says this, If a prophet or one, of the, or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a miraculous sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder which he has spoken takes place and he says, Let us follow other gods, gods you have not known, and let us worship them, you must not listen to the words of the prophet or the dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you. You find whether you love him with all your heart, with all your soul. It is the Lord your God you must follow. And him you must revere. Keep his commands. Obey him. Serve him. Hold fast to him. Here's what I'm saying. There were apostates. There was heresy. There was false teachers in this reading. Today in America, in the world, there are false teachers that abound. And people, I'm a false teacher. So they don't call themselves a false teacher. They go, I'm a prophet. I'm a teacher of God. And they go, I had a dream. Let me just say this to you, and I'm going to ruffle some feathers in here, and I love to do that because that is fun for a preacher to do. I'm okay with dreams. And I think there's a place for dreams, and Scripture talks about dreams. But there's a camp in the church that talks so much about dreams, and they've quit talking about the Word of God Almighty. And they're all running around, let's follow the dream, let's follow the dream. And when the dream contradicts the book, run from the dream, baby, run, baby, run. And here's the only thing is, if you don't know God's Word, you could just follow whatever. Well, I had revelation, Pastor. No, you ate something bad the night before, possibly. I don't know. Or, Pastor, I think I, I had these dreams. I think a dream can confirm some things. And, and Donald I've had some dreams before. And, and, I'm, and I'm not discounting dreams. I, I know there's some that write about it, not a lot of people. But we just got to be careful. we got to test our dreams. we got to test prophecy. We've got to test everything we know against the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is orthodox. What does orthodox mean? Right belief, Christianity. I'll rest my case on this. Because, man, this is what we got. You're saying, well, Pastor, we don't have any problem. I'm not following any dreams. I'll tell you what, you live long enough and talk to enough people. It's amazing what people will fall for. And they'll follow after faults. So we have to back up the leadership with His Word. We have a respect for authority. Let me do it this way. 
I've been wanting to use this for four or five years. Now, I'm praying in faith <laughs> that it's going to rain. No. The umbrella. That's where I got the whole title for this message. Under the authority of God. Are you under God's authority this morning? If you are, you're under the safety. Some of you are, ah, you know, you're in and out of the authority. And if you're over here, you're in the, man, you, well, bad analogy. Here we go. You're over here in the darkness, okay? I know. I was like, that wasn't working. Okay. See, that's not going to cut it. And, and you're rebelling against your mom and dad, teenagers? You're out from under the authority. You're rebelling against your employer? You're rebelling against whoever? You're out from under the cover. God wants you right here, church. Let me tell you how big God is. Now, I'm fixing to tell you something that, that is how humbling this office is that I've got. I purpose to stay under the umbrella of the anointing of God. And the elders remind me often, Pastor, you are the shepherd. We give you counsel. We give you advice. We correct. We help you. But we serve with you and wonder you. Because they know that if I mess up, who's God going to judge first? Who? Is God big enough to take me out? Anytime he gets ready. You're like, but I don't like the authority at work. I think they're all jerks. God sets up every authority, doesn't he, church? So you serve there. You're like, but I don't like them. And here's one. They're not Christians. Doesn't matter. God's got an authority thing. He's not going to violate. You stay under the umbrella of authority. Amen? Now, you can change jobs if God leads you to. People all the time are like, I don't like that church. I'm going to leave. Well, you can leave if God leads you. And sometimes staff members, they'll come and they're like, well, I'm not going to work under that authority. You see, God ordains authority. Is that not right? Mom and dad. Do mom and dad always get it right? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Teenagers, do God, did mom and dad always get it right? No. Well, y'all didn't have any problem with that, did you? But who's the authority? Who's the authority? And who's going to deal with the authority? God's going to deal with the authority. How many of you teenagers are going, that's awesome. I'm going to pray, God, sick them. <laughs> well, that's not a prayer that I'd encourage you to pray, but he could. Do, do you see this authority thing? You follow the authority of, of Christ. You follow the authority of the Word. I just, I, I love to use visuals, and I think some of you are going to get it a little better now, aren't you? Okay. Some of you, some of you are going to get the umbrella out and go, man, my mom and dad, I'm going nuts. Okay. All right. All right. Let's go. See, I ought to hand out umbrellas because I spit and y'all wouldn't get wet on the front row, but I didn't do that. Okay. All right. Just a thought. All right. So Romans 13, one through two, listen to the word of the Lord. Let me move here quickly. Romans 13, one through two. Ready? Paul addresses authority. I covered it when I preached here. We'll go there again. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has ordained, has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring... Those who do so will bring judgment on themselves... You see, th this is a thought I've had to live with and I'm learning more about and I'm definitely learning as I have a responsibility to lead hundreds of people. I might not always get it right, but I purpose to get it right. And if I mess up, and I do mess up plenty of times, just ask the elders or the staff. 
But God holds me in a position as he holds staff members that they have authority to lead in that area. And you stay under there. And then you don't go and slam them and slander them if they mess up. You pray for them. You speak into their life and then you go on because you believe that God established his authority. Is this helping anybody but me? God has authority. He has authority in your marriage. He wants your husband to be the priest of the home. He has authority in your job. He has authority in the church of Jesus Christ. He has authority. Like, here's one. Let's just be honest. How many times has President Bush been slammed and slandered the last two years? Every stinking day. Every talk show. Everybody slams him. We've got one responsibility as Christ followers. To pray for kings and rulers and those in authority. Did you hear that, church? And it doesn't matter who gets elected in the White House, we then have responsibility to pray for that person that God has established as authority. You're saying, well, I don't like them. God didn't say that if you don't like them. I got people that don't like me. You got people that don't like you either. You know, and you say, God, I got to follow this. So here it is. Like, I've often thought, you know what the Sunday meal is sometimes around here? Roast preacher. But let me tell you what you do. You slam me and little ears here. You're teaching them it's okay to go against the anointing of God. It's okay to go against the authority of the church. I don't preach. Boy, sure has got quite an here today. I don't know what it is, man. But let me give you the last verse here. This is a great verse. Acts 17, 11. I love this. I always share this. I go, they're like the Bereans. And, and Jason McHenry loves the word of God and he studies the word and he found this passage when he was teaching his small group the book of Acts and the teenagers. He goes, I know where you got that verse now. I said, yeah, bro, I got out of scripture. He thought I'd made it up. No, he, he knew it was from God's word. But, but he found it. Acts 17, 11. Now the Bereans were of noble character or more of noble character than the Thessalonians. For they received the message with great eagerness. They examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. The great apostle Paul that gave us 13 letters of the New Testament they examined the scripture to see if Paul was in error, if it was right. Everything that I say from this platform, every time somebody gets in your ABF, your ABF class, every time you hear, examine it against the word of God. That brings safety. And the last box is simply this. Kingdom authority is not given to rebels. The kingdom authority of God is not given to rebels. And we need to humbly bow and break before him and say, Lord, I worship that's God's word from the book of Jude on this Sunday morning. I hope it's encouraged your soul. And may God do something in us as he frames us. And I just pray blessings right now on all our military as y'all leave. May God bless y'all as y'all go back into new communities and some returning to old communities. And may he grow you and ground you. And may you glorify God where you go. So this morning, Christ community sends you forth with a blessing. And we pray that God would send many to us that we could receive a blessing. And the church said, amen. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray right now, maybe there's somebody that's considering Jesus Christ. Maybe there's somebody that's thinking about faith today. Maybe there's somebody that says, I have denied Jesus. And today I don't want to deny him anymore. So this morning, Lord, by faith, I pray that somebody would, would say yes to Jesus. Lord, you have brought that clear to my family that we are not promised tomorrow or even the next minute. So, Lord, we want to make sure that we are covered by the blood of Jesus, that we trust in Christ, and we have a testimony. 
and that one day you will present us to the Father. Friend, if you've never done that, today's a great day for salvation. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Those that call upon the name of the Lord, those that believe on Jesus Christ will be saved. That's all it is. Just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you in my life. I turn now from sin and I look to you and I trust you, Jesus. Come and be born in me today. Wash me in your blood. Cover me. Be my Savior, my Lord. Teach me, direct my steps, make me more like Christ. You know, I'm just going to ask you just to, I'm going to ask something bold. If anybody did that, why don't you just stand up? Anybody willing to do that? Just stand up where you are. You don't have to come forward. Just just stand up. Say, man, I just received Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed. He's going to present me to God one day. Nobody? Okay. Man, I know you said, man, that was kind of hard. That's okay. Let's give our hearts to Christ. May God bless the church as we purpose to be the living church of Christ. And God's people said, hey, thanks for being here today.